0: everybody and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It is 7pm UK time here on twitch.tv slash DNI stream and we're about to launch into episode 3.1 enforced quality assurance. I'm Josie. I'm back. I'm happy to be back. I've actually gone through dev talk withdrawal. What the hell?
1: Ah yes, I, I, I'm I'm glad to have you back Josie, I've missed you thoroughly, absolutely. Uh, and hello to everybody in Twitch chat, nice to see people having a, having a go already. Uh, if you've got anything to say during the show, please do join in, ask a question, say something, we'll read it out if it's appropriate, or if, even if it's inappropriate to be fair, that's sometimes the best response to answer. Um, and as you can see, Patrick isn't here today either, he is uh, away on business I believe, our guest today...
0: Oh, he's in chat.
1: He's in chat, yes, but he's way on business. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Over over in uh, in your neck of the woods, I believe, Josie. Fact.
0: He's not, he's not in my neck of the woods. He is in well, the United States. your
1: original neck of the woods, where you come from. My least, original
0: anyway. neck of the woods.
1: Yes. Um, and we are today joined by somebody who's graced us with our presence before and is always forthcoming with his opinions and his <laughs> wonderful face is with us today as well. It's a little bit laggy, but he is... Hello, Anthony. How are you doing?
2: I've got. Thank you. Nice to nice to be on the show again. Good stuff. Happy to be back.
0: So before we go into it, we're going to do our icebreaker. I have to first commend both Chris and Patrick for keeping the icebreakers going, even though I wasn't here. I'm very proud of them. Ah, The amount of arguments we've had behind closed doors involving coffee cups and pillows. Um, Yes, thank you guys so much. But yes, we're going to have an icebreaker question. This is a question that has nothing to do with development. It's just a chance to get to know each other better. We've had Anthony on the phone, on the phone, on the show before, but now we get to go deeper into your psychology if you could at this moment in time participate in any life-threatening activity and know that you won't die what would it be and why
1: heroin absolutely
0: heroin
1: yep if I, if, I, I was if, if there was no consequences, Hollywood? no, no. What? If there was no consequences, I wasn't going to get addicted to it and everything. Give it a go. Why not? If if there's no consequences, and you know, fine.
0: And there go our ratings and <laughs> our
1: <laughs> ratings.
0: Oh yes, and all of the people who you know promote or not. What, what do you call those people? My brain can't even remember. <laughs> you know, the people who who are supposed to give us money so we can promote. Oh, promoters, whatever, sponsors, commercials, yes. sponsors. That's the word. Yeah there go all our sponsors all like zero of them that's great what about you anthony
2: well i'm just trying to think about it but um i can't think of any life-threatening activity that wouldn't involve a lot of pain before you died anyway that is, so I, I can't really uh i can't really think of anything i went to the uh a theme park last weekend uh and after the first three or four rides of just like hurtling around on ridiculous roller coasters I went why am I doing this I'm almost 40 now this is a ridiculous thing to do it's why hard do we isn't it do this to ourselves the
1: older, the older you get the, the less theme parks are fun it hurts more than anything else I
0: don't know about that
1: <laughs> well, I came out of Disney a few years well actually it was 10 years ago that's the last time I went to a, a theme park and it was I came out with bruises headaches god it was awful
0: Hmm. Well, in my case, I'm boring. I would swim down to the marina trench and hang out down there and see what happens to be there.
1: Good one. The sea does scare me, to be fair.
0: The sea is a terrifying place, but I'd still do it, because at that point in time, I'd know I'm not going to die. So it's okay for me to go down there and see the gigantic fish that want to eat me, because they won't, because I'll be okay. (laughs) Okay. But I would go down to the Marina Trench because we know that that's where lots of volcanic activity happens. So at least there's a light source. Because I didn't mention you get to take, you know, light sources with you or anything else like that. But I would love that. Mm. It would be fabulous. And for those of you who are watching, let us know in chat. I want to hear from Miss Sebek. Of course, I want to know what you would do. And, of course, same thing with you, Patrick Ossie, and all of you also who are watching. Uh,
1: Oki's just said he he... The allowance Aussie. was will- Aussie, Ockie. Okay. It says that's Ockie. Okay. There's two C's in that. It's, it's- Aussie. oh, Trust uh, me.
0: I know him.
1: He says the allowance was will not die. She said nothing of addiction and long-term effects, so maybe I can't have heroin then.
0: <laughs> you sound so disappointed. You know, we need to just make that a snippet and just put that up as their <laughs> advertisement for a show. Maybe I just won't do heroin then. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> So oh. onto our
1: onto our topic enforced QA. So let's mm. uh, start pretty easy, Anthony. What is QA? What does it stand for? what do you think it stands for? Cuz it's what, got two I... definitions. Two two um It's
2: got two definitions. Well, it
1: well it... to me it's either quality assurance or um quality analysis.
0: Well, to me it's questions and answers. Uh. So <laughs> welcome to the world of acronyms in the IT industry. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I, I, I've always well, I, I've only ever heard of it referred to as quality assurance.
1: All right, it's fair enough. So
2: basically, about you know making sure that uh, the software that you write isn't crap. However, um, it's all about a level of crapness, really, isn't it? Because you can't ever, you know, if you, if you had a million, a million hours and a million people to sit there and test every single possible thing, you'd probably eventually get to something that had no bugs at all. But you know, depending really? on the, the time constraints and the amount of stuff that you've got, you, you know, and so if you're if you're writing a if you're writing software for managing a nuclear reactor, obviously the quality assurance involved uh, will be a lot higher uh, for that than it would be for just you know standard enterprise software. Like
1: well, you'd think that, wouldn't yeah. you? But we've had a f- quite a few um, rockets that have blown up on the way into space, you know, that kind of thing. So the, yeah, metric
0: it, versus it, imperial, K okay, go. Yeah, well,
1: can, you
2: Boeing. New Boeing seven eight seven or seven three seven max or whatever it is mm. that keeps blowing up. That's, mm. that's probably a programmer's
1: fault. Possibly, yeah. But I mean, QA QA doesn't ever stop in my eyes. It's uh, it's a thing that exists from the very well from the very first release at least. Uh, you can you can start doing a little bit. There's been times where I've worked with um, testers or QA guys and they've wanted early releases of software so they can start the testing or at least start putting plans together for the testing you know even though it's not fully finished and and actually going to be a thumbs up they want to actually see it beforehand and a lot of the time i'm i'm reluctant to release until it's at least at a stage where they're not going to be reporting things that i know about let's say
0: well there's it's it's interesting you say that. Um, I recently watched the game dev talk from the guy who was responsible for dealing with all of the um, support tickets that came in for Subnautica. Oh, nice. And the heat mapping and the things that they were doing to do the testing. And there's a whole fantastic you know, side to that. But it was basically public QA. And someone asked, you know, well, how did you do it and how did you go through it and it's like well we can't go through every single piece of feedback we've gotten what we can do instead is look for key terms or phrases that are linked together and make judgment calls based on that Mm -hmm. um and it's it's funny because you're talking about quality assurance it's one of those things where i think the one thing that ends up being um misunderstood from people who don't know how uh, testing or quality assurance or anything like that works is what the expectation is of it. Hmm. Because there are some people who, uh, for example, in my world, I do a lot of web development. It's does when you click on button, button perform action you have told it to perform. And that is yes. But someone goes, well, it didn't do it when I did it, but I wanted to do it while I was dragging the mouse this way and pressing this button and holding down these seven keys. It's like... That's, 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 not, that's not what I'm looking for. So what I'd like to have Anthony define as our expert in quality assurance <laughs> is what expectations do you believe people who work with people in qual- or with, who do quality assurance or people who are in quality assurance, how should they approach it? Like, What expectations do you feel there should be?
2: Well, for a start, I'd just like to say, uh, I don't feel like I'm an expert on QA. I've just—it was just an interesting topic because I've ended up doing a lot of it for the past six months
0: <laughs> by and,
2: choice. Uh, uh, yeah, it was actually by choice to start off with, and then I just sort of—I I initially said that I would do some. I was happy to do some QA for a bit because I, I was quite new to the company. It's a and I think QA is a great way uh, to learn a system and how it works. And do you know what I mean? And, and I it, it was a great learning opportunity. And then I sort of ended up with more and more and more. Responsibility on top of that, and rather than like lower level, you know, running the code and doing testing, I was doing more management and that sort of stuff, which was also interesting. But possibly not quite where I thought I was, I was signing up for. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, so the ex- expectations of somebody in QA, I mean, um, I, I mean, the, the, the common thing is, uh, is is using a QA person as somebody to uh, shift responsibility. Well, you signed it off. So uh, it's not my fault. And I, and I think that's that's possibly um, that, that obviously a, a common but um, really bad thing, you know. And it, I think as a QA, you need to be mindful that not every bug can be fixed. So QAs can go the other way and be super dogmatic and everything everything needs to be fixed. I, you know, I'm not shipping anything because there are, you know, these bugs. There's, there's a sort of a line in the middle that needs to be drawn, needs to be prioritized. Um, yeah, and, re- and realistic about your expectations.
1: I think, no, I, I think I've, I've yeah, it's it's similar. I see QAs as kind of a little bit similar to support people, support staff. In that, not not as in they're a support for the developer. I suppose they are in a way, but what I meant is in the way that they approach things because the support staff gets loads of bugs come in or loads of feedback from users. And then they cannot always implement all of it. Sometimes a bug will come in and it'll be the most important thing in the world and it'll be completely blocking a particular user because of something. But it's not high priority. And it will get shoved to the back of the queue because that one user isn't quite as important as the five hundred users that are getting this minor bug, you know, that that's that's occurring. It it's all about prioritization. It's all about managing the workload as it is for developers to be fair
2: and and also uh, you know along the, the same lines of being a support person you have to be a good generalist you mm. have to have a good understanding of the of the whole of the system to be able to to you know to to look at something and go i, I know that that's wrong because i know what it should be doing right you know um so and and, and also something that a lot of developers quite often lack uh, empathy <laughs> um you know how is a real normal human being who's not a developer going to look at this software?
0: No, never. No, that that (laughs) is never Users don't matter to software. I mean, come on. (laughs) I I, I find it interesting, though, because um, there are, in the development world, we have the things like test-driven development or behavior-driven development, which is a bit more UX-focused than anything else. And most people feel that if you do TDD, you don't have to worry about quality assurance. Ooh. Do you agree with this? It
1: supports. It supports quality assurance. It doesn't replace it.
0: So And that's why you see it as support, Chris. Um uh,
1: no, TDD isn't support. TDD is a process that you take no 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 no, no. i'm talking
0: about qa you see qa as you said kind of like support in terms of the work
1: in terms of the process and the prioritization methods at least it's not a not necessarily a support of a developer because it is it's a it's very in fact you know what i take that all back yes it is it's as symbiotic as the support function is to a a developer in an enterprise because if you if you have a good qa team you're bouncing off each other constantly and you're you're Um, Negotiating what is needed. Again, depending on what your level is, if you're just a junior developer and you're getting given the bugs to fix, that's one thing. But if you're the lead developer or the product owner or somebody who's in charge of actually making a decision on this bug, right, needs to be fixed because of this, 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 and this, that's a business decision rather than a development decision.
0: Well, I have to take my hat off to the company you work for, Anthony. (laughs) You actually have a QA... Department, it seems, Whoa. or group of oh, individuals to no, do QA. No, we didn't. Oh? Oh.
2: It was just
0: me. Okay, but you now have one. I mean, you said <laughs> you've now, been taking have, on more well, we responsibility, now, yes. So you are doing that. I mean, we have some viewers, like our, pool, our poor tool, Tepe, whose very question is pretty much the summation of most people I know. <laughs> well, and that is, what is this QA? <laughs> And it's true. And I think that's why true. we have things like test-driven development and stuff like that. Because having TDD at least gives you something to check against.
2: So, so, so TDD is a, is a really interesting one. So I find TDD really helpful for writing, uh, uh, writing sort of for formulating what a, sort of a low-level thing is going to do. But I certainly wouldn't use TDD to test a whole system. Uh, you know, you no. don't develop a system that way. TDD is really, really good for formulating, uh, you know, what, what your s- small unit is going to
0: your do. Your modules, yeah. Yeah.
2: And, but, and actually, having done TDD a few times, I'm not entirely sure that the tests that you write from TDD have that much value going forward once you've finished that small contained module. Mm. I mean, sometimes for refactoring mm. and that sort of stuff, but you, en- you can end up with a lot. Because, uh, uh, you know, a problem with tests is that they take time to run. So you want as as you know as, as good feedback as you can as quickly as possible. So you know a um, a, a project with a, a billion TDD tests that are testing things like if I put one in this field, you know, and that because you, you, you can end up testing things that are basically just properties of the of the program. Have you is this property a string and things like that? Do you know what I mean? We're in we're
0: there, in there danger is, of going... There is um, oh, sorry. nope, sorry. I was <laughs> going say
1: we're in danger of going into TDD here because it's not strictly QA. True. Um, BDD is a bit more appropriate for, it again, is. for behavior behaviors and business-driven uh, design and development specifically. TDD is the methodology you'd use within BDD to actually to actually implement your test. It, you can go crazy. You can do 150% code coverage. I mean, for God's sake, the amount of times I've written 100% code coverage and then kept going, you know, it happens if you really want to be that anal about it but it depends bdd is much more appropriate let's kind of move on from that i think um
0: well we had someone ask what bdd is so who wants to take a moment and explain bdd which is behavior driven development
1: yeah behavior driven development is essentially um you take a user behavior of some description so you say let's say um let's take it a front end example Uh, we have a form and we want to say, as a administrator, I need, act- I need to be able to view and edit this form. And edit might even be another test. So that is a, your behavior. What you would then do is then you would write a test that would test that, whether it's a front-end test or a back-end test. It doesn't really matter. As a developer, you would write some code that tests to make sure that that constraint is covered. As a TDD developer, XP TDD developer. Now, XP is extreme programming. This is... The extreme comes from the fact that we're writing tests at a much, much smaller scale, a lower, a lower mm. um, tier. We, as as Anthony said, we might be writing a test that tests that when you put one into this field, this happens. When you put a string into this field, this happens. When you put nothing into this field, this happens. That is less useful to the business, but much more useful to the developer. And going forward, it allows you to. Um, it allows you to confirm. Conf- yes, confident with what you're changing in the future or what you're adding to something. But if you follow solid principles, this is a whole different topic, by the way. If you follow solid <laughs> principles, which we, we're definitely not getting into, solid principles kind of cover that that level mm-hmm. of TDD as well. But anyway, so yes,
0: yeah, but yes. <laughs> so going so, back to quality assurance, yes, picking on poor I mean, Anthony.
2: So so so. Quality assurance, really, for me, is is about it's about the whole test pyramid. I'm going to use some jargon. Of the test pyramid. Have you heard of the test pyramid?
1: It doesn't actually ring any bells. No.
2: Okay. So, so the, the idea of the test pyramid is that um, you know the bottom of the of the test pyramid is like unit tests, where you've got lots and lots of unit tests. And they run very quickly. And as you go up the pyramid, you test more and more stuff at once, but with less tests because as you go up the pyramid and you're loading more stuff in, the test take longer to run. So, you know. The, the, the QA is about building that test pyramid, I suppose. And, and whilst the developers write the unit tests at the bottom end, they need to have some knowledge of what what the coverage is at that to know how many tests they need to run at the bigger end. If you know what I mean? Okay. From, from a sort of from a from a programmer who's doing QA perspective, is so. it like a
1: test pyramid scheme? As in, it's an inverse pyramid that you're talking about? You create more no, tests, or you create less tests as you go on?
2: No, it's a, it's a test pyramid, and an, an, a correct way up pyramid. All right. So the, top, so the idea is that the the top of the pyramid, there's very few tests. Okay, all right. most of them are manual, like, and they're UI based, end to end, load everything with all the real dependencies and poke, poke a transaction through. So you'd only have a few of those tests, especially if it's like a payment system where you have to exchange real money to test like everything. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? And then below that, you'd have some like detailed end to end test with mocked out dependencies for maybe you know. Like real payment systems, and then below that maybe mocked out systems with no databases in them, and then below that, you know, standard integration tests, and below that unit tests. So, okay, so, yeah. So, so one of the things that I, I did while I was I was working on QA was develop a um, a compatibility test framework, which, which I say test framework. It's you know, it's basically just copying jar files around and running them and making sure that they all work together. It's not you know, it's not rocket science. Um, but and, and, and I managed to flush out a few bugs with it and give the company a bit more confidence that um, the software would work with previous versions. So this was a this was a, com- a backwards compatibility type test. A regression um, not test? A, no, not, okay. no, not a regression test.
0: There's so many tests out there. Well,
2: exactly, exactly. That's what um, a um, regression test pencil. is. It tests, it tests compa- no, compatibility with previous no, that's versions. that's right. No, reg- regression tests test that you haven't broken something that was working before. Yeah. But this, this this compatibility matrix is testing that version 3 of the software works with version 4 of the software.
1: Okay.
2: So you're stuck with version 3 of the software. That's been released. You can't do anything about that. And we've made a guarantee that the two will interoperate. So then you have to write what? tests for every possible combination. This is you where we get into solid, though. The-
1: this this is where you get into the, the solid principles of, of making th- well one I'm not sure which of letter of the acronym it is but you make sure that you uh, open close principle that's it you make sure that your your code is not modified open for mod uh, open for addition closed for modification so if you create a method for example on an API you would want to make sure that you never once you've released that API you never alter it you create another method that does something yes. similar or different. But that's, I mean, that's extreme for me. a bit. And it, and it is, it's, up,
0: it's, it's, I was going to speak up for Patrick here. It's something that we as gamers are actually quite familiar with. When we have a save game mm. and a new version of the game comes out and you're told, well, we're sorry, your save games won't work with this new version. And you're just sitting there going, why? But it's sort of like that.
2: No, it's very much like that. Yeah. So ba- so basically, that the software that we write, you know, people should be able to write states that work on the old version that mm-hmm. can then be transferred to the new version. or because because it's 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 a it's a store of money. So if you if you break that compatibility, then uh, you can't spend your money. You've lost all your money, which is pretty. People don't like that. That's not that's not something people like. Mm. That, that would be high on the list of things <laughs> that, uh, you need to check for as a QA.
1: So we've um, we've established then that QA is about testing. So, what else is it about? Or, or,
0: what, yeah, what, I was going to say. What, what, what exactly we... makes it different?
2: What makes it different?
0: Well, like, well, okay, so we have fantastic show notes, and I really want to break this down. What exactly is involved in the process of QA? Because Chris and I are familiar with testing. I mean, most of us here who are involved in gaming or playing games can understand what I just gave as a metaphor, apparently. But, what is your process in QA, or what exists? And that might help people who are familiar with things. For example, Tultepe is talking about the V model of testing in chat right now. So, those of you who weren't here, hopefully, you'll join us in the future and be able to get all of that fantastic information. So, yeah, break down for us this process for QA.
2: Um, well, so, as I mean, there are lots of different areas to it. So at the very, very, very tip, the the smallest and the biggest and the longest to the, the, the test that takes the longest to do, uh, you've got manual tests, just actually running the software with a you know as a real human and checking that it works. Because no matter, I mean, you can say you can get rid of automated tests. So I was, we was talking at work the other, the other day, and apparently Google have have got no human tests for Chrome. It's all completely automated and they run 300 gajillion billion tests every 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 five minutes on, on Chrome to make sure that it works and release it. But, I mean, that's a huge investment but to do that.
1: They've missed the test that checks how much memory it uses, though.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, they have. Wow, they really, yeah. really have.
2: Non-functional <laughs> testing.
0: Yeah. I love the fact that they're running 300 Google tests a minute.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, apparently... You know, you, you, Google completely automated the testing, but most companies are a long way away from that. So, so that the the biggest thing to start off with was manual tests. We basically, you know, we got every every team lead to go through the the um, the features that they were doing and say, you know, how would I as a normal person use this feature? and Write a test script and just go through it, and step through it, and you know, do to, to see that it works. Do a bit of exploratory testing. So there are a few problems with that. One is it's not very repeatable because unless you give very, very specific tests, you get five different people to do the test and they all run it a different way or do something different. One of them's running on Windows. One of them's running on Linux. So then you start saying, everybody has to run it on Linux. Everybody has to use this you know version of Java. everybody, And then you start going, type this command, type this command, type this command. And then you basically practically automated it. In which case, then you need to start thinking about well, actually, what is the value in doing this manual test Well, Maybe we move it away. But there are um, th- there is a lot of value in those exploratory tests, you know, because hmm. they do pick up things like I, you know, something didn't work and I couldn't understand what was wrong. That's that's a that's a real valid issue for a user and something that an automated test framework wouldn't would never pick up.
1: Cannot replicate. It's always an option in your drop downs in a QA system, isn't it? <laughs> Cannot replicate, send Cannot it back replicate. to the
0: Cannot replicate.
1: whoever whoever reported yes. the bug. And then they come yeah, over well. and go, Well, if you just do this, 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 and this, and you, Oh, right, that, that's what you meant. I see now, yeah, yeah, it's a 400, I'll sort that out or whatever.
2: So I, I personally feel a mark of a good QA is being able to write those bugs so that they can be replicated. So when I used to find an error, what I used to do was blow it away and then do the test again to yeah. see whether I've got the same error. And then do it a few more times, and then again delete everything, and then start writing down the steps and following the steps that I just written down, and checking that I can recreate the error. Before I... it takes a long time, but mm-hmm. but then it's you know when somebody gets the book, they go, oh, I see what the issue is. Now I can start looking into it in it. It's
1: understanding, I think, as a QA, that you have the responsibility to make sure that you're reducing the time sync across the team as well because at the end of the day your job is finding bugs and test and reporting them if you find a bug and report it and go there's a bug on this page when you click no Uh, right well it doesn't happen for me so what what other things have you clicked software is complicated you know so yeah just what (laughs) you said i've had people who've done exactly that not actually told us how to report a bug. And when, you know, you get frustrated and you like, you just put it, you deprioritize it and then the communication breaks down and then we get back into this situation where everyone gets annoyed with each other. If you it's don't... Yeah, yeah. And it's not, and it's not about that. It's about working together. If someone gives me a very clear bug, I'm brilliant. I'm, love it. I can't remember the last time I've actually dealt with the bug though. I've got to be honest with you. Well, it's <laughs> I it's
2: can't it's remember the last time I wrote any software that had a bug.
1: I didn't say that. I meant I've okay, dealt yeah. with the bugs.
0: Well, it's interesting because I can remember in my particular case uh, dealing with a situation where we had a bug show up and the bug only showed up when a certain period of time passed between the triggering of an event and another event occurring. And we only found this out because the person, actual physical person, got up to get coffee. Mm-hmm in between the test, in between the steps of the testing. Um, And it actually revealed a a glaring timing hole in how some of the stuff had happened there. But I I feel sorry for the fact that we live in a day and age where finding a team that can do quality assurance or finding a company that's willing to put money into it, (laughs) Mm. you know, is very hard. I mean, I, we admit, we started the show talking about, you know, we don't live in a day and age where you can send a change to your quality assurers. And when they go, yeah, we haven't found anything, all of a sudden it's 100% bug free or anything else like that. But you made mention of doing something, Anthony, and I'm really curious about this because of our show name. So you talked about how you were following certain steps and you were writing down your steps and then you were doing your tests and trying to duplicate and replicate, as we like to call it in the OT world, your steps and your processes. How much of your documentation is handed to you sort of before the fact or how much do you have to do yourself? How much is shared with the rest of the team? Like,
2: So how much was or how much should be?
0: Let's do both.
2: I mean, so so uh, because we we we. I mean, we
0: all want our Nirvana, you, <laughs> you know. Is it, was, is it Nirvana? Like is that the new got. buzzword right now? What's your 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 Nirvana network or something? I don't know, whatever. But go ahead.
2: <laughs> so 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 basically, we didn't really have a QA function. So I, so me and uh, another guy volunteered to sort of do it full time for a few months. So we basically had a list of test scripts that were written by developers who didn't want to write test scripts and sort of felt it was beneath them all had different ideas of what should be in a test script and, and weren't so it's basically a bit of a pile of spaghetti. Developers should um, never
1: ever write test scripts. Ever. Ever.
2: Developers should absolutely write test plans. They should they should they should in, they should engage the QA to explain Ooh. what the feature is and what Oh, I oh think oh, oh. as a developer, you need to be responsible for bit, your work. A and a large now. part of that is explaining, you know,
1: Yes, what you do, would do to test it. You absolutely okay, get involved not in it the detailed
2: test script possibly. But.
1: Absolutely. As a developer you should be getting involved with your testers, your QA guys. You should be helping them, you should be working with them, but and you should be explaining what you think it should do. But a developer's head is not in the right space to write unless they are extremely experienced to write tests for a business. They care about different things than the business do. What, yes. Who well, should be and, writing and it, the tests is the people who the product owners, the people who speak to the users, the people who sit with the users and, and understand the business and what they actually need.
2: Uh, and I'm not entirely sure the product owners should write the mind there, so I mean the, the test depends: on, the depends owners. on the definition of. No but they, weren't, they, were, they were very difficult to follow. A lot of them were extremely vague, Like Just sometimes just one line. So, so you send I it back started, to them.
1: I'm sorry, there has to be a certain level of... Right, I'm sorry, but I can't work with this. You need to give me more detail.
2: Yeah. Basically, I I spent a lot of time going through them, speaking to the people, fleshing out the test scripts properly.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm sitting here going, I "I wonder... I, I'm sitting here wondering if I should literally just go, in the blue corner, I just, we have Chris. I've got to say that I
1: nearly fainted then. I was shaking my head so much. No, nobody yeah. listening to the podcast could see it, but I actually did go a bit dizzy.
0: <laughs> well, you, your eyes did kind of whirl and we saw little stars, but, you know. But
2: it... I, I do think, though, there, there is a general problem that, okay, developers aren't the best people to write complete test scripts, but I think they should be a lot more involved in yeah. in specifying how to test it and what they've done and than they are doing. Anyway, at uh, 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 our place, there was only me. Um and I did spend I spent a lot of time speaking to the people whose features it were, understanding how it works, got, you know, fleshing out the test script so then other people could run them without having to go through all of that knowledge. So I spent quite a lot of time, you know, updating those. And after doing that for a while, I went, wait a sec, I've done this test six hundred and thirty-six times now. Uh, how about I just write a programmer does it fool me because
0: I'm a programmer well isn't that the solution we all come up with it's so, this, how off, how fast can we automate a particular part of our pipeline and workflow yeah.
1: automating is, is great <laughs> absolutely yes there are acceptance tests that we can write uh, there are there are Um, snapshot systems that you can use there's a system that um, I've used a, a few systems in fact one called eggplant which you might have heard of which essentially takes snapshots of a system allows you to record macros of how you test something and then it replays them when someone releases a new software and you can automate that as well it takes quite a lot of resources requires its own server that kind of thing but there's also other things like selenium um, which tests front... Millennium, I'm very familiar with, yeah. There's a few of them like that, but that tests front-end actions. It doesn't necessarily test it like a user, but it tests it tests it via the browser or via one or more browsers. So yep. it's, they're really handy. I haven't much experience of that side. I have done a little bit, but not much. I can't talk about it too much. But there are so many different levels of testing. I still genuinely believe that even in big, complicated software pieces of software that bear in mind they're probably making the people who write them lots of money they've got the time and the money to invest in proper QA processes, they should be manually tested to some extent but automating is fine, but automate it properly and automate it in an automated way, as in put it into your your (laughs) CI and CD process not just automate it on your computer you know, run a a script (laughs) when you're when you're, you've got the software open because that stops you from doing other valuable work. Put it into a CI, CD process.
0: Well, that's the hope. I mean, like I said, we all kind of wish that... It's interesting. You can get a degree in development. I have never really seen a, gr- a degree for quality assurance or testing or anything else like that.
1: I haven't seen a degree for development either, personally, but I haven't looked either. I so. have.
0: <laughs> I have but seen I a good I degree
1: first... in David Beckham.
0: I don't even know. No. No. No, thank you. Um.
1: Essex University <laughs> did one. When I was when I was going to go to university, it was on the list of degrees that were available. Not to me specifically. <laughs> welcome to
0: Useless Trivia Part 3. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've mentioned a couple of tools that can be used for testing... On the quality side, what I'm curious about is what you do, Anthony. What do you use as part of your quality assurance? How also do you enforce going to our show title, quality assurance? And at any point in time, does any of that involve pictures of cats?
2: No, there's no cats. Sorry. I probably should have saved that for the end. Now the rest of the, what I, I say is not gonna be very interesting, but don't no, no cats. Um, so <laughs> so so from a point of view of the automation, somebody had, had done some work on automation before and written some scripts that automated tests and that sort of stuff. And when we came to test the next version of the software, all of that stuff had a bit rotted, if you've ever heard of that term, because it was just stuck in the in the uh, repository and nobody had looked at it. It turns out, lo and behold, after six months of development do if it worked anymore so one of the biggest things that i did was um like chris said earlier i wrote some tests and i put them into the qa pi- into the uh, ci pipeline and then i made sure that if they failed that everybody knew about it so and you know so we, we everybody. have everybody so we have a big we have a big um dashboard on the wall with a list of all the pipelines
1: Um, Anthony taking his passive-aggressive developerisms into the QA process. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oi, everyone! Everyone, this is the most important thing in the world because it involves me.
2: (laughs) And that was right, (laughs) Anthony.
1: Yes, um, uh, as as um, Pat was saying, BitRot, We actually were introduced that term. um, last last time we had a show, uh, Mark Walsh who was on introduced. I'd never heard it before, but we now know what it is. So please watch our other show if you want to learn about that. So so,
2: so basically, you know, we had a lot of testing to do we, because we have like a six monthly yearly release cycle. So we sort of go, do no testing range, and then suddenly we get this. I need all of the testing. Um, so a lot of the developers started I, I started off with one other guy, and at one point we had all of the developers testing, three odd developers testing, doing manual tests. As you can imagine, they really, really enjoyed that. And what can you tell me what every developer started to do straight away?
1: Play Quake or something. Honestly, I'd, I'd just write
2: some scripts to automate it. So they all, like, 30 developers writing 30 useless. different scripts to write 30 different tests. And it's a complete waste of time. So Absolutely I... useless. So I heard.
0: I heard. <laughs> at the end of is, this, productivity this
1: proves my that point. That Proves my point. You you do not get developers involved in testing. Get them involved, sorry, but don't let them test. There's no value whatsoever. Get them on the next version of the
2: software. I disagree. But, um... I think there is developers. And
0: set. in the red corner we have <laughs> Anthony, developer turned QA.
2: <laughs> turned right. turn
1: developer again uh, by the sounds of it as well. C-
2: certainly the process of me <laughs> spending six months doing QA has definitely improved my development skills, my understanding of the software, and I I think that is a valuable thing to have. I think getting developers to test their own software mm-hmm. the own their own things that work on it is a terrible idea because you can't mark your own work. But I do think, you know, a period of Spending some time analysing somebody else's work from a from an outsider point of view, how can I make this work? Um, and bear in mind, the software that I'm talking about, our users are, are actually other developers. That's okay. So, so it is slightly different than yeah. getting developers to check a website by clicking on all the buttons or you know that, that sort of thing, possibly. Although I do, I still do think that having a bit of Thought about how people will use your software is something that is a skill that's sadly lacking in a lot of developers these days. There's an I adage for. Go on, sorry. For oh, a no, go ahead. Get I was going to say that in. there's. An,
1: there's I, I mean, I don't know the adage. I know there is one, but there is. There's basically develop. You're going against the grain there, trying to get developers to do something they don't want to do. They know there's no value in, and they're constantly told there's no value in it either. It, there's value in getting involved in the process, but not actually performing the testing. They hate it. They want to be writing code. They want to be right They, ha- for God's sake, how many years has it taken us to get developers to write tests properly? And that's and code. even
2: then, <laughs> yeah, even then. Like, even you know, then, a, a lot different. of the unit tests that I see are quite, quite frankly, dog shit of, of little, of little use.
0: we almost made it through the show without proper cursing. There you go, Patrick. Chris is bigging <laughs> it up there for you. It's a mild one, okay.
2: And that it's, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, getting, to me. getting developers to randomly to to regularly do a large amount of manual testing. You're right. It's going to piss developers off. It's not a value, but I do think there is there is uh, some value in taking some ownership for, for for your work and looking at it from the other side of it. Oh, well, that's it's... just that's just me.
1: Absolutely ownership doesn't come in the form of testing though. when I when I write a piece of software, I own that software, if there is a bug in that software and someone reports it to me, it gets fixed or it gets dealt with in whatever is a, a, pr- the appropriate way. That comes with seniority and experience
0: but it's the NR
1: but as soon as somebody tells me, if somebody comes if any anybody above me, any leader, any, any manager comes up to me and says, "I'm going to get you to do testing for the next week, I'm leaving." I'm sorry, that, I'm, that is... Uh, there's. It's none of this, it's my job or not. It is not appropriate for a developer to test a piece of software. They write software, that's where their skills are, that's where their value is. Get them to do other parts of the development life cycle. Get them to be involved in writing either the next bit of software or getting involved in getting the tickets ready for the next piece of software or even fixing bugs there's so much work to do software is never finished developers should be developing testers should be testing i okay I've... wow
0: there is a soapbox i am that, i am, am not Chris. happy about
1: this it... <laughs> I,
0: I, no I, I can tell you not happy and it's interesting to me because i come from a world where i am responsible for the code that I produce, but I'm also 100% responsible for testing the code as well. I don't have the ability to turn around and go, hey, you go test this for me. I don't have that. I am the end-all be-all for the products that I do at this current moment in time. And it's interesting to me because I can see the perspective of I would rather at times just sit there and make certain that I am hammering out the next task, getting the next um, component ready, putting together the next release, getting all of that stuff going, planning out my next swim lane, like throughout all the damn terms you can here. I would rather be doing that. But then there are times where I'm like, this isn't quite right, and I need to figure out why. And I have no one else to tell me except myself, where I'm looking at something going, oh my God, how did that happen? And it's only after I've tested things through. So I, I, sit, I sit there and I can kind of see, in a company where you have a lot of people, it would be fantastic to have people whose sole job is to do the testing. I think in a weird way, this is where the enterprise world could learn from game development. I, it's it's a strange thing to say but I have seen applications I've seen um, apps use a philosophy where they go through and they do their cycle, their development cycle and then they have a small selection of their users as part of the QA because those users are the ones actually making use of that particular product and those people can then do reporting of bugs and things like that but I also know for a fact that in those particular apps, they also have a QA team that works with that small community as well. So...
1: Tooltepper so. has just said in chat. Um, I agree to a point. He was he respond. She? He? Mm-hmm. Was he. respond? He was responding to me earlier on with my little rant. Um, he mm-hmm. said, "For me, testing my own code is usually a bad idea, as I tend to know how I intend it to work. Therefore, my tests reflect that too. Physical tests, I'm assuming he means. Now, I can give a great example of this in the game world. When I was doing my indie game, um, it was a parkour game, 3D parkour game, and I played it and played it and played it over and over, constantly pressing F5 and playing and playtesting and testing every box, testing every single different height and possible way of working. And then I gave it to my graphics designer, and he within 10 minutes, he broke the game entirely. He did something. He managed to do something that I had not thought of. So my game, you could jump from what um, from a wall onto another wall, but I hadn't put enough of a delay in it, so you could actually get into a corner um, to stop you actually jumping. Rather, so you could get into a corner, like a, a ninety-degree corner, and you could just hammer the jump key, and you could just basically bunny hop up the corner. So he just got up to the the top of the level with. That just, was a
0: feature, wasn't
1: it? Well, this yes, this is a, a emergent gameplay, as we we say. <laughs> and <laughs> and see, but,
0: that, that, that that goes right back to what I was saying, though. I hmm. mean. We have, in the enterprise world, if you have a situation where you're developing an app and you do not have the finances to have a proper QA team, which kind of breaks my heart. So, Anthony, I I still take my hat off to you for choosing to go into such a shitstorm of a position. (laughs) Um, But... If you can't do that, instead, hire one person whose entire job is to get a collection of your current user base who wants to be on the bleeding edge and get them involved. So, get somebody other than the person who's responsible for the component that has been built.
2: So that is a very interesting point, Josie. and one, of, one the, of the things one I, of I do the for big...
0: people. I
2: ask. <laughs> hire
0: me, people!
2: Hire me! What <laughs> <laughs> One of the big differences between gaming games and enterprise software is that the people who buy games are the people who play them and want to play them them. with enterprise software the people who buy the enterprise software are not the people who use them so i one thing that i've noticed over the years is very often with enterprise software nobody cares about the user they want a flashy demo because they need to demo it at a boardroom so the people with the money In the suits, who are never ever going to use the software, and actually, that that sort of thought about the people working on it day to day is not often there, which is why a lot of enterprise software is very crappy. I I usually
1: work at work on back office software, so
0: actually do it. anyway, go ahead.
1: So I I work on back office software most of the time, so I'm engaged. I don't have to make it flashy and fancy for uh, for somebody who's in a boardroom. I mean, sometimes I do, very rarely, but generally i interact with the users and i prototype with the users before we actually get to a point where we're developing uh, before we actually deliver something to them but i get that point and i get the point that some places don't have the resources to have the testing done but those same places it, it, it's still i i still cannot see past there's nothing that anybody can say to convince me that that developers should be testing their own their own code
2: well not their own code code. and i I specifically said not your own code yeah
1: i'm still not sure about that though to be fair i'm still not sure about the actual value in them testing somebody else's piece of software
2: Uh, well certainly like where i work at the moment the software is very big and it is very complicated and we have we've got about 30 developers in sort of i don't know six six teams of sort of three or four and some other people floating around and Spending a few days taking somebody else's code out and giving it a test run, and understanding what it's meant to do, and then feeding back from the point of view of a, of a technical user who doesn't know anything about that feature is, is invaluable both for for your knowledge and, and for that that team's knowledge. And being a programmer, you've got that extra level of knowing a bit more about the whole system and how it all fits together, which is you know, which I think is quite useful. I'm not going to ask you to do it, Chris. So don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Chris, as we know, will probably you know jump on a soapbox and then like wave a banner, form a union, um, you know, all the typical union.
1: Things. I'm a contractor.
0: <laughs> union.
1: <laughs> I should be so unlucky. Lucky.
0: Well, here's what we'll do. We're going to agree that there are certain parts of QA that we agree with, and certain parts of QA that we don't agree with, and we can agree that if anything could be said about QA, it's that it's misunderstood in some cases, overused in other places, or completely unused where it should be. Can we all agree to that at least without, you know, Uh, me taking fighting? However, no. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) See, now here we are. We're at the point in our show where it's time for RTFM. Those of you who are involved in the world, yes, that's right. This is our chance to rant about anything. It doesn't have to be dev related. It doesn't have to be code related. It doesn't have to be human related. Although nine times out of ten, it usually is human related with us. Do you have something to rant about today, Chris?
1: I have three things to rant about today, but I'm going to rant well, about. Well, I guess one this makes them.
0: up for past couple of weeks where you really haven't had much to rant Th- about.
1: They're all kind of related, um, as people who are in our discord will know i have recently been uh, hit by a uh shared hosting issue and this is something that josie kind of comes across and she had a bit of a go daddy rant a few a few months ago um similar kind of thing i can, I can write thing.
0: about GoDaddy forever what,
1: what has just happened is i i've been with my shared hosting provider for years um over 10 years very rarely have any issues with them but recently i've had a number of things go wrong i'm getting tons and tons of let's encrypt notifications for domains that i don't own um to my personally to my business email address which i've been reporting to them and the all the domains are registered to them so it's definitely a, con- a shared hosting control panel configuration issue or something they're just saying oh there's nothing wrong and there is and i, I just I, I don't have access to it so i can't see it that's what number one rant number one about shared hosting provider rant number two is yesterday all day, I had no access to my email because they've been bought out by a new company, and this new company has obviously decided to do some changes. Probably DNS records. Probably they say it's something to do with the old hosts just randomly changing a server into a. It doesn't matter. It, it's without it, any QA. Without any QA. It just, I mean, <laughs> these are these are small shared hosting providers as well. So they don't. They've got great support teams. They respond to you very quickly. But when something hits the fan. They can't deal with it, you know. Um, And I have spent all day yesterday with no updates whatsoever, uh, no email. And I was worried. The amount of the amount I rely on email, I didn't realise how much I need it. I need it for two-factor authentication for a number of things. Um, I need it for signing up for personal things like insurances, I need it for logging on to, um, or, you know, forgot password things occasionally if I need to do, that. everything, almost everything on the internet relies on email, even though it's it's kind of an obsolete technology now as well. Um, I'm not going to go on. Anyway, shared hosting providers, move off them, please just, oh god, I'm moving I've, I've moved my email already today.
0: I'm very proud of you by the way oh. for that. Especially since you got your SPF records sorted and you're getting it to mark settings. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that was a priority. Um, yes. <clears throat> what about you, Anthony?
2: Uh, I don't think I've got anything to rant about at the moment. I'm pretty, I'm pretty mellow. Well, I, I've got something that I can share with you that's pretty amazing. Crystal has probably seen this today on Facebook, but uh, I went to McDonald's for breakfast this morning <laughs> and I got double sausage leg egg muffin. And when I opened it, it had three pieces of sausage in it, an extra piece of sausage that I'd never asked for.
1: That's pretty
2: and I, I, I was Good. It's, I, it's made my day it's, it's, obviously
0: <laughs> it's obviously, that muffin did not go through quality assurance
2: it's, it did not go through quality assurance you're right yeah it's 8 o'clock almost and uh, I'm still buzzing about it so
1: <laughs> still buzzing off the extra 500 Absolutely calories for buzzing. that one patty.
0: <clears throat> oh wow what about uh, you
1: Josie have you got any rants
0: I have so many it's insane um but I will uh, I will just simply state the number one thing lacking in this world that would solve 99.9% of my rants is communication. Mm-hmm. Please communicate. If you're making a change and it will impact a service of mine, fucking tell me if you are planning on doing some type of change of what it is that you want feature request wise, don't wait till the last minute when you realize that's the change you wanted six months ago. Communicate, please. And yes, I agree, Aussie. more love would definitely make the world a much, much better place. However, communicate with love. That would be great too.
1: It, it all comes down to communication at the end everything it,
0: it does my, my it RTFM did then 100% does and I mean ask for your extra sausage patty you might get three
1: <laughs> I think you might get three sugars if you ask for three sugars at McDonald's but then giving you an extra patty you now that's H-
0: however I, I, I should quantify that statement don't just communicate um, communicate without passive aggressivity yes yes <laughs> you know right. do you know okay? you haven't done that
1: do you know you haven't done this right
0: oh. yeah
1: love that love it when someone comes over and does that oh have you seen this it's ridiculous anyway so oh. yes
0: Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But we're at the end of our show now. Uh, Massive thank you to Aussie and Vina, to Tepe, to Patrick, and also to all of you fantastic people in chat for joining us. We do hope that those of you who are watching in the future on the YouTubes or listening in the future on the Spotify's will join us live. We'd love to hear from you while we're actually chatting. Now, come to our website, Chris has been doing things here and there he's actually done some stuff while I've been gone no I haven't you you did there was a change or something (laughs) I saw something change you might have got a github Ah.
1: email about a security notification I think came in that I need to get on but that wasn't me That's just get up telling me off for not doing things.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Okay. Well, see, yes. Don't worry. Chris is awesome. But go visit our website, www.dnistream.live, where you can find links to all of our past podcasts and get to our Discord. We'd love to see you there. We rant all the time always we also share funny gifts and things as well we do. and you can also check our youtube channel subscribe even if you ignore us after that we need a couple more people so we can get ourselves uh, an actual personalized url hmm. that's our goal our goal is just to have a personalized url for youtube
1: and speaking of our website you can also contact us on there for any reason whatsoever if you want to be a guest on the show or you want to complain about something or you want to communicate with us please <laughs> feel free um, we, and all, or, you know, any anything that uh, that we've said today, just come and come and get involved. Um, the source code for our website is available on GitHub.com/documentation. Not included. Come along, get involved, do some code for me because I've got too many things on at the moment and I haven't touched it for ages. And I've got loads of little feet. I still haven't fixed God's bug that he's raised. I'm sorry, God. I'll, I'll get onto it at some point. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. And of course, finally, thank you very much, Anthony, Uh, the shit. You, I hope, have enjoyed having a bit of argumentative back and back. I always
2: argue with with Chris.
0: Ah, and hopefully everyone who has watched has learned a little bit about quality assurance, perhaps maybe actually be interested in digging more into it. That would be good. And um, Anthony, besides quality assurance, you got a website, a company, a personal project—anything you might want to pimp?
2: Nope. An MTG Not even group. yourself. I've have got, got a Twitter handle, and I would never use it. But feel free to tweet me.
1: <laughs>
0: you respond did I just to me? Hear MTG? Twi- Are we talking T- Magic: The Gathering? T- it
1: is yes.
2: Oh, I do—I do play MTG. Oh, really? I do think, you? I, I went to—I did a tournament last weekend, a pre-release tournament. I came nineteenth out of twenty-four people, and three people <laughs> didn't turn up. <laughs> yeah, particularly pleased with that one.
0: I like of so, uh, curiosity, what was your deck?
2: <laughs> oh, it was it was a pre-release, so it was it was it was just like whatever junk I thought I got in the, the couple of booster packs. Yes, but I'm
0: just curious what you what you ended up with in the end.
2: What I ended? Do you know, I can't even remember. It was that bad. I've, I blanked it from my mind.
1: I think. Ossie earlier said uh, that she she hadn't got a clue about all these acronyms and she appreciates us. Thinking, I've got no idea what you're talking about. As much as I really want to play MTG, I've just never had the time to, to get into it. Same for d and or anything oh, I'll
0: like see that. Ossie,
1: Ossie. Okay, Did I get it right?
0: Ossie! You Aussie. did get Aussie right, but Aussie is a dude. Oh,
1: my God. Will you all have names that look like the sex you are, please?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you just say sex you are?
1: Sex you are, as in gender.
0: Oh, the like gender. Your gender. Oh. I'm sorry. I-, I thought you were trying to like advertise Pornhub. Speaking of, a funny thing and then we leave. <laughs> a funny, funny thing and then we leave. So I came back to work to news of Pornhub looking to buy Tumblr. To bring it back to its not safe for work format, my only thought was that'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, Pornhub does a VPN, right?
2: No, I didn't know. They have a
0: free VPN. Free. I'm not saying use it. (laughs) I am not saying use it, but they do have a VPN. Just gonna a VPN client for your phone.
2: It's really yeah. I can
0: give you better VPN clients, <laughs> but yes.
1: Yeah, so, so, so we all hope you, we hope to see you all next week, Thursday, seven yes. p.m. UK time, Twitch.tv/dni stream. Keep your eyes on our Twitter at uh, dni stream and hang out in our Discord chat if you need any. Well, you want to see updates about our upcoming shows.
0: Just come say hi to us. Talk to us about your day. Tell us what you're coding, what you're not coding, what you're developing, what you're networking. Indeed, we're nosy. Yes. Right. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. everybody. Thank you very much for saying. See you next week. Bye.